Welcome to In the Room. I'm your host, Ryan Hughley, here with my co-host, as always, Scott Holhouse. Actually, remotely. Remotely. I'm in, I'm in the SLC. We're in the digital room right now. Yep. I'm in the CHI. In the, the CHI. The Shy, the Windy City. Yep, yep. Chirac. Yes. You know what I'm well, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Is that an appropriate term? I don't really know the history behind that. That could be a really offensive one. I'm not. I'm not sure of. <laughs> I think. That, I think it was a documentary that was made about oh, okay. Chicago and just uh, and the violence. violence. So yeah, Good. it's kind Thanks of appropriate. For, you've kind of made this really depressing already. Well, you took yeah. you you started you started <laughs> down the road and I, I followed. <laughs> well, today's a pretty big day. We it's have a special on a, one. A, it's a very special guest. Uh, he's been spoken of on this show. Yeah. Sort of a hidden, pre- he's always a hidden presence behind the scenes. Always. Um, probably the reason, you, probably the reason why we're here doing this and that's for sure. True. The reason why most things happen. Yeah. Um, so if you listen to the Mark Dever episode, when we drove up to, uh, Washington DC together, you are familiar with this character, Tyler Dravitz. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. Yes. He is good at many things. Driving is not one of them. (laughs) Every time we mention his driving, I know when he's listening because he texts me about it. Yeah, (laughs) he's like, I am a good driver. That's right. And in his defense, he drove. He 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 accomplished the impossible that day, arriving to Washington D.C. with just the appropriate amount of time. But anyway, it was pretty spectacular. So one of the things that um, anyone that knows Tyler knows about him is his great love for Disney. Mm -hmm. We talk about this and my conversation with him. And so before we get too deep into this conversation with Tyler, yeah, let's, let's wrap about Disney for a second. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cause we're, uh, we're going for the first time. We're going on like a big family trip. Yep. All of us are so excited. We're all going to Disney together That's right. in January, good. which good Dis- thing, good Dis- thing, good thing. My kids don't listen to podcasts cause they don't know about it yet. <laughs> That's right. Your kids <laughs> so don't know yet. Nobody play this for my three kids, please. Leave it to Uncle Ryan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be fun. So let's talk. So you've already been to Disney. I have a couple yeah. times. Yeah. Your wife is not because you're a bad husband. Yes. Well, yes. and and I'm not a bajillionaire. So <laughs> yeah, both of those too. things. Yeah. All right. So let's talk. Tyler and I talk about this on the on our conversation. But what is your uh, favorite attraction in Walt Disney World? Uh, I love the. Rock and roller coaster. First, let's back up. Bigger yeah. picture. Favorite park. Favorite park. Um, probably Hollywood Studios. Yeah, I think it's because it, it. So it, it has one of my favorite rides. So the rock and roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And I actually, so I went to Disney as a kid. My folks took us, and I remember going on that ride, and it was a blast, mm-hmm. and it was awesome, and the whole, I was, I played music at the time, and so, like, it's themed around Aerosmith and all that stuff, but <clears throat> the best part was my dad bought me these, like, metallic green drumsticks afterwards. Oh, wow. They were, like, $38. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> regardless, he, po- <laughs> he ponied up, and... Uh, Actually played by Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd think with the price yeah. tag, um, but uh, I would say that. And then, but one of the strongest memories I have from that park was on uh, a trip that we all, that the three of us went on together. We went on the Tower of Terror, mm-hmm. and it really lived up to its name because <laughs> I there's a picture that that Tyler actually has of you guys like hands in the air with like. <laughs> The joy of children coming out of your, like, just like having so much fun. 
And I'm holding on to the seatbelt like my life depends on it. And I have this look of terror on my face because I didn't, I went on as a kid even, and I don't think I had quite the traumatic experience then, but this time I certainly did. And (laughs) there was like an eight year old next to me who was like, wee, this is fun. (laughs) And I was like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I know. So I I always, my, my least favorite thing when I get on that ride is the people that like drag their like six year old on. Oh gosh. And the kid's scared before you even get on. And they're just like, yeah, I just can't handle it. It ruins the whole ride for me. Yeah. All that you're watching there is like future therapy. Totally. Yeah. And that you can poor, just like bank yeah, on it. That poor kid in about 25 years is going to have to describe that scene to somebody. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's awful. What's your favorite park? My favorite park is the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, it's classic. Hands down. Uh, I just, Tammy and I, <clears throat> so our history with, I went to Disney World when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but Tyler, for those that don't know, is a Disney Vacation Club member. DVC. DVC. He's got the magnet on the back of his car. Which somebody stole one time, which how stupid is that? Yeah, that's pretty dumb. Um, it's cheaper, though, than becoming a DVC owner, so it's kind of smart on that <laughs> that's front. That's true. I just have the sticker. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up doing that with him as well, and so we've been going to Disney um, uh, all together for, I don't even know, like seven years now. Mm-hmm. So we've been a lot. And at first, Tam and I were not like crazy, like Disney people. And we're still not like, we don't have like a Disney room in our house yeah. with like a, all that. I've seen that you can get a little too crazy. However, we do love Disney world, like big time. And we, every time we get there, the first time we get to go down main street in Disney world, it's a really, it's a really emotional thing, man. It's yeah. a happy place. Yeah. It's a happy place. Yeah. But my favorite ride is not at the magic kingdom. My favorite ride is, or attraction is actually the toy story one in Hollywood studios, the competitive one where you shoot the balls. Oh, I'm familiar. You know what I'm, my, I'm familiar. My friend, you're familiar from all of your losses to me. Uh, on that's that ride. inaccurate. I actually have photo proof that I was <laughs> victorious. wildly victorious one year. That is my Tammy and I are insanely competitive on that ride. That ride is really fun. So you can sprain yeah, something on that ride. Oh yeah. You can really hurt your wrist. It's intense. Yeah. 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 So that's it. That's my fave. Awesome. Uh, All right. So about, yeah. Oh, what, yeah. Just, just give us a little, uh, little preview of what you guys talk about in this episode. Obviously well, we did more start than talking, Disney. Yeah. We talk about Disney a little bit and then we, um, spend some time talking about, a, a new ministry that we say he and I have co-founded, but <clears throat> I do like 5% of the work, and yeah. he do, which is actually pretty true of the vast majority of our <laughs> ministry together. And uh, so we started the same a, pattern. a new ministry called MyXP, um, where we provide uh, help to pastors and local churches in the ways that an executive pastor typically would, but mm-hmm. for churches that are either not big enough to be able to really need a full-time executive pastor or can't afford it. Yep. And so it's a really important niche that he and I both really, really believe in, and he is exceptionally competent and gifted in. And so we talk a lot about my XP and <clears throat> about the reasons that churches need help in these areas and how it actually helps us make um, a higher quality and a higher number of disciples as churches as well. So uh, it was a great conversation and he's super helpful in these areas and he's doing a great job with it. Good. Yeah, I know it's something that um, 
that I know he is he is super uh, equipped for, and um, I think is is something that's only going to continue to to help more and more churches. And one thing that's exciting is um, seeing some of his abilities and um, some of the things he's really um, good at start to go beyond the walls of just one church. Because mm-hmm. I think he has the um, certainly has the potential, um, you know, for that to um, yeah, for that to just help more and more people. And so, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's exciting to see that, and I'm excited that our listeners get to hear um, a little bit more about that today. Me too. So, pull up a chair or get on the treadmill, put the buds in, put the buds whatever in. it is that you're doing, put the buds put in. on the buds, put on put the on old, the buds, put on. <laughs> what are you doing, hon? Putting on the buds, putting on the buds. Time to get my pods on. <laughs> <laughs> so come on in the room for my conversation with Tyler Dravens. All right, Tyler, thanks so much for doing this. A lot of people listening may not be super familiar with who you are. And so I think it's important that we start at maybe the most important defining mark about you, which is your love for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. What about it? (laughs) Well, let's just talk about it. Okay. Okay. So first we'll start with the important stuff. Uh, What is your favorite park? We'll start with that. What's your favorite park at Disney World? Um, and we have, we'll just admit we have a general conviction, deep conviction that Disney world is far superior to Disneyland. Agreed? Yeah. Way, way, better. way. Better. You only like Disneyland if you're from California. Yeah, that's true. And it's 90% nostalgia. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I feel like it ebbs and flows a little bit based on the time of year and all of that. But in general, I feel like the most iconic is the magic kingdom. Yeah. That's a good answer. It's actually the only right answer. Oh, gotcha. Regardless right. of time of year. Yeah. yeah. There right. are other favorite, parks. So favorite, sort of, there are. <laughs> favorite ride? Um, I really like Splash Mountain for some reason. That's really good. Although I will say um, they recently opened like uh, an Avatar Land, uh, Pandora, and um, you ride on the back of a Banshee. And it's it's for sure the most incredible ride I've ever been on. Uh, would they just, uh, let's see, we're recording this just a couple days after the new year. So they just had the Disney parade. And mm-hmm. did you notice how, you know, they, all the celebrities that they have on for that, they always ask them like, what's your favorite ride? Yeah. And do you think they paid people to say Pandora? I don't know. I mean, cause every probably, single person said Pandora, probably they were teed up on what they should say, but I'll, I mean, you haven't been on it yet. Um, it's really pretty spectacular. And I feel like, um, I heard that and going in, I thought that the hype was going to be all built up and it's like, it's part of it is it just, um, is like no ride you've ever been on before. Uh-huh. Um, cause it's the first of its kind. And so, yeah, I don't know how you, how you qualify that. Yeah. So what is it? Uh, so I, I went to Disney a couple times when I was mm-hmm. a kid, I think. And I know you went once when you were a kid and somehow we have gone full blown obsessed in yeah. adulthood. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> That's true. So, uh, let's tell me a little bit about what it is about Disney in all seriousness that really has captured your attention. Yeah. I really think that, um, where that stems from is just, um, the, the kind of experience that they're able to provide. I have been, um, in retail, I have been in different customer service industries and even overseen people who provide that and tried to lead well and effectively to make sure that that all happens. And I just feel like Disney just continues to provide, uh, just a unbelievable experience for anyone who comes. And I think 
that, you know, on any given day, there's, you know, 15,000, 20,000 mm-hmm. people in the Magic Kingdom, and they just have this way of making you feel like you're the only ones. Yeah, and like it's so, the only day they're yeah, going to be running Disney right, World. Right, for That's sure. Feels. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think more than the parks and more than just being, you know, obsessed with like meeting Cinderella every time I go, yeah. um, which I don't do, by the way, just for the record. <laughs> um, but uh, outside of that, I really, I, I really love to sit back and watch uh, their leadership teams and, and yeah. all of that um, create an environment and empower people to just make an impact on people's lives. Yeah. So you grew up in South Dakota. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you came to faith yeah. and then your call to ministry, how that happened. For sure. Yeah. So, um, I, um, was raised in a Christian home. I think that the number of times I've missed church in my whole life, probably to this day, I could still count on two hands. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where, you know, the family vacation started Sunday after church and ended Saturday night. So we could make it to church. So the, the couple of times I remember being gone over a Sunday, we like found a church to go to. Yeah. And back then there was no internet. So you just checked the yellow pages and, and prayed <laughs> that a church with a name similar to yours was not like handling snakes. Awful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and, and we never, we never ran into that. So that was good. Um, and, uh, you know, God saved me at a really young age. I participated in the Awana programs mm-hmm. and um, I was a Sparky and it mm-hmm. was Sparkle Time. And, Not a uh, great name. And there was a flannel graph story. I mean, I clearly grew up in the 80s. So there was a yeah. flannel gra- graph, graph story about little Johnny who could pick the wide door that led to destruction or the narrow path that led to eternity with God. And and at the end, they asked us to raise our hands. I was probably six years old. And, and I know that there's a lot of skepticism about how young is too young and all of that. Uh-huh. But I feel like at that moment, I, yeah, I just really uh, understood what, what God had done for me and Mm -hmm. uh, raised my hand and prayed with someone. And, um, you know, from that point, certainly didn't live a perfect life from six years all the way till now. Um, but also, uh, was really fortunate. I never have experienced much of a crisis of faith. I've, uh, never really gone through a period of time where I doubted if God existed. Sometimes I, I've, I've doubted whether or not he liked me, but yeah. uh, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. And then as far as a call to ministry, um, that's also kind of always been. Uh, my parents tell the story of how um, they got called in for a conference with my kindergarten teacher because, you know, you ask little kindergartners what they want to be before recess, and it's like, I want to be the president. And then mm-hmm. after recess, I want to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. And apparently, no matter how frequently the question was asked, the only question or the only answer I ever gave Dave was that I wanted to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so she was a little concerned that my parents were fundy and kind of forcing that down my throat. And, and I can attest now to the fact that that wasn't really ever something they even mentioned. I was just always interested, always excited to be at church and, uh, you know, and, and excited to talk to the pastor. I, I was a uh, very young age. I was Lutheran. And as you exit the church, you get to shake the pastor's hand on the way out. And I would like clog up the line because I'd have a bunch of questions for him and want to mm-hmm. talk to him for a while. And uh, yeah, so that's just kind of always been on my heart and mind. It's awesome. But backing up to the Awana thing again, yeah, you were yeah. very modest in your answer because <laughs> you weren't just like in Awana, you were like a pretty big deal in Awana, right? Well, yeah, I was like maybe on the cover of just some unnamed well, publication. I mean, you know, there's, that's possible that it's possible <laughs> that they actually had to create awards because they <laughs> ran out of books and, and things like that. Uh, the, uh, oh, the Awana commander God. at my church had to call Awana corporate and just say, <laughs> what do I do? And so I had a situation where I had to memorize the entire book of Philippians and recite it with only two helps, which if you're not Awana 
familiar. Uh, that means that I had to get it word perfect every word and could only mess up two times in the whole book and I got it done. How old were you then? Um, I don't know, probably like 10 or 11. That's awesome. What, what translation were you memorizing in? Uh, it was New King James. Our church was, you know, you had to like choose a, you know, a version for your whole, like a one yeah, club and yeah. stick with it. And so we were New King James. That's impressive. All right. So always wanted to be a pastor mm-hmm. from pretty much the youngest age, but you did take a bit of a transition into corporate world, yeah. working for Starbucks for about 10 years. So tell me just a little bit about that period and what you did there and uh, specifically a few of your biggest takeaways from your time there. Cause I know it's really informed a lot of the ways that you view um, even work in the church. So talk yeah. about that a bit. Yeah. So when I graduated high school, like every good youth group kid, I thought I was supposed to become a youth pastor because mm-hmm. that's, and then someday you become a senior pastor and mm-hmm. that's just the path that you have. And so, uh, I went to, uh, school to Trinity International University, um, at, with a focus and a major on youth ministries. And it took me only a few months to realize that I don't really like kids in high school that much. <laughs> yeah. uh, they weren't really nice to me. And so it was sort of PTSD <laughs> flashbacks, uh, yeah. when I would go and like serve at a youth group. And yeah. so that wasn't really going to work out for me. And so, I was really stumped because for my whole life, that was just sort of the path I believed that existed. And so, um, uh, meanwhile, uh, I needed, uh, that was back when, um, the moment you stopped going to college, you were off your parents' insurance. And mm-hmm. so I needed health insurance and, uh, started working at Starbucks. I started as a barista, uh, back in 2000 and, um, and God really blessed my time there. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, like I said, uh, the entry level barista and, uh, within a very short period of time had worked my way up to store manager. I was store manager of the quarter twice. Um, and the youngest store manager in the company's history, at least at that time, I got promoted at uh, 19 years old. Uh, then at 23, I got promoted to district manager. I was the youngest district manager in the company's history at that time anyway. Um, and I was district manager of the year, my first year. And, uh, I say all of that just to say, um, uh, God really had started blessing that path. And so, uh, as much as I was a little bit discouraged and really felt like, well, I always wanted to be in full-time vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. Maybe what God had called me to was to be successful in business and, uh, to do well there and to be able to support and fund ministries. I mean, you know, a 23 year old making into six digits is, you know, an unusual thing it was for me. And yeah, so, unless you're like a pro athlete, <laughs> right. And so I was just able to be really generous with what God had blessed me with and kind of figured that, you know, know, I, I would be a member at a church and be involved and, and that was the end of it. Yeah. So you and I have been friends for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And one of the many things that I know about you is you're not into very many things, mm-hmm. but the things you are into, you go deep. Okay. So Disney. Yeah. You're deep. Yeah. Yeah. Starbucks, you had a tremendous, still have a tremendous respect for. Oh, sure. So what were the things that you experienced that you think that they did effectively that marked you most significantly? Yeah, I think that uh, the way that they create a great work environment for their people, the way that they not only talk about that, that's not only on the website, Mm -hmm. but... um, the way I got to see in the 10 years that I worked there, one, not only being held accountable to creating that myself, but then two, um, being able to hold the other people accountable to that and being able to take action uh, when people didn't do that, whether yeah. it's provide coaching or training or even, uh, you know, in, in, in Starbucks terminology, promoting someone to customer uh, when it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem like they should be a part of the brand. And so I just think that, um, yeah, I think that it was a really... 
Uh, that was that was really significant. I got to work for some of, you know, just uh, some amazing leaders back back in the day. They were people that, um, you know, I reported to, but as they have continued on in their kind of uh, secular careers, they've done amazingly well. A CEO of a health club and and someone who's really high in, in the Starbucks corporation um, and just got to spend a lot of time learning about leadership from them. Mm-hmm. I also think that the way that... Um, Starbucks focuses on customer service mm-hmm. and getting people connected to the company and all of that kind of stuff is just really, uh, I don't know, really stirs deeply within my kind of soul just to, just to make sure that it's a place that we want everyone to feel comfortable and welcome. It's a place that we want to make sure that even though there's internal language, like instead of small, medium, large, tall, grande, vente, like that's our responsibility to help customers understand, understand that, that and yeah. to kind of embrace that culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen you carry that because in, let's see, in 2009, we planted redemption. Mm-hmm. And then about, it was it about a year and a half, two years in is you came on staff. So mm-hmm. transitioned through, uh, God was real faithful to us there, but we made a decision that it was important for us to do a better job in so many of these areas that you had really learned a lot in Starbucks and had a deep passion for as well. So you came on as an executive pastor, Mm -hmm. both at Redemption. And then when uh, we were in North Carolina for a year and a half, you came there as well. And so as, as we have, uh, as you've been in that role and as we've like met with new people and and, uh, introduced our staff, did all of that. We always get this same look. Every time I tell someone that you're the executive <laughs> pastor, I always get this look like, that's great. What does he do exactly? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so as we're going to talk a little bit about my XP, this new company that we've started together and you uh, are doing a great job of running. If someone asked that question of what exactly is an executive pastor, how do you answer that question? Yeah, I think, um, so Phil Taylor has a book, it's called Defining the Role of the Executive Pastor, and his definition goes something to the effect of uh, the executive pastor's role is to implement the vision of the leadership of the church and and specifically the senior pastor of the church. And so I think that uh, there's lots of ways it could be defined. I think what I have found is that um, it's a little bit of a garbage term that people use for like the other guy who does other stuff. Yeah, yeah. But or I maybe think, it used to be like it just used the number two was always just an associate pastor. Yep, it's becoming yep. more common now that the mm-hmm. number two guy is the executive pastor. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so I just think, you know, um, I think a lot of times your, your lead pastor, he is kind of the visionary leader. He understands where we're at and where we need to be. Mm-hmm. And then the executive pastor's role is to fill in all of the dots in between. So right. how do we make that happen? What resources need to be applied? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I know as we've interacted with other lead pastors and executive pastors, we've seen how common it is for the relationship between those two guys to break down frequently. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that happens a lot. Um, We are now in our third ministry together doing it, and it hasn't been without its bumps, obviously, but like we're still in it. So that's a win. Yeah. And so what do you think some keys are to the relationship between an executive pastor and a lead pastor working? Or maybe what are some of the key reasons that you've seen it break down? Yeah. I really think uh, there's a couple of things. One, I think people are miscast in the role. Yeah. I think that that's 
probably the most common thing I've seen. I think that a lot of times um, it's seen as sort of a developmental role onto the senior pastor position. Right. And I'm actually not sure. Of course, there's always exceptions to every rule and every generalization that's made. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how someone who's really gifted and and does an exceptional job as an executive pastor yeah. could transition into a senior right. pastor Because it's not like a youth pastor or an nope. associate pastor where you have a lot of the same responsibilities. Sure. It's just totally... So yeah. before you give more, pause there for a second and talk about that. What yeah. are some of the chief competencies that you think are necessary for an effective executive pastor? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the reasons it would be hard to ever step into the senior pastor role is you have to really thrive behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, another uh, quote I like uh, from Phil Taylor's book is uh, he says that he worships in the details of ministry. And uh -huh. I think that for me, that's, that's a really great way of, of articulating how I feel that, yeah. that when I walk into a worship service, absolutely. I'm listening to the worship and the sermon, but I want to make sure that the temperature is right and right. that the lights are right. And that, um, and that the backgrounds are right. And that the font is all of right. those kind of things, uh, help create an environment where like people can worship. Yeah. And, and for all the people out there who don't think that those details matter, they should read their Bibles more closely. Because as you read through, especially in the Old Testament, as God's prescribing the way that the tabernacle is to be laid out or the way the temple was supposed to be built. I mean, it's like, I mean, forgive me for saying this, but almost like boringly detailed about every single specific thing. So right. I think that's a huge thing. So that's that's one big competency. You need to be able to really thrive behind the scenes. Yep. What would be something else that you think would be really be important? Yeah. And then I think you just have to have more of an administrative gifting. Mm -hmm. I think that you have to care about um, the numbers. I think you have to care about, you know, like you're the one making sure that, um, that there are the resources, whether it be people or finances or whatever, to do the ministry that God has called your church to do. Yeah. And you also have to sometimes be the person with your foot on the break a little bit. Yeah. And I think that, you know, any uh, senior pastor, executive pastor relationship, I know that, you know, sometimes the XP is a little more uh, heavy on the break and the senior pastor is far more heavy on the gas. <laughs> yeah. uh, but even the mix between the two are, is really important. And, yeah. and sometimes there has to be a call to have, have greater faith. And other times there has to be the reality that like, Hey, this bill's going to come due and the money's not in the account. Yeah. And I just think that that's it's stewardship. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think more than anything, you just have to have a passion for like, good biblical stewardship and not just, I think people hear that and that only, uh, people only think about money, but yeah. the equipment that we have purchased, the people and their time and, and all of it's that all kind resource. of stuff. It's all, all things we've been entrusted to steward. Yeah. You also used the word a minute ago, administration. I think yeah. it's important to clarify for mm. people that it's, this is not just a high-powered administrative assistant. Yeah. That administration ultimately, in the way that the Bible really uses the word and the way we see it function in the church, is far more about leadership yeah. than anything else. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're giving, uh, you bear the weight, you know, when you think of leadership, it's who's ultimately responsible. Yeah. And I think as the executive pastor, um, you bear the weight of so much, depending on the size of your church of so much yeah. of the decision-making because you have to make a lot of times a final decision as it pertains to really big things in the church. And that's yeah. not to say you circumvent the elders by any means, but depending on how your church is run, you really uh, have a lot of responsibility and a lot of authority and, um, and to 
again, you are empowering others to do the work. And a lot of times you have to do the work yourself. I mean, yeah. I've been an XP at a mega church and also at a church plant. And mm-hmm. what I, my day-to-day looked like at, you know, a church of a thousand was a lot different than as we planted Redemption and will be yeah. a lot different than as we plant Ridgeline. And so yeah. it just depends. Right. So back to my original question about mm-hmm. the breakdown in the relationship. Yeah. So the first one is a lot of executive pastors are miscast. Yep. I know another one that I have seen is... Um, when there is maybe it's not even just a miscasting, but it's a, um, ambition issue in the heart of the number two sure. where they really actually want to be a lead pastor. Sure. And I've even, I've seen this most common with guys who at one point were a lead pastor and then decided that maybe they wanted a break from that. And mm. so they become an executive yeah. pastor and think like, I'll be really great at supporting the lead pastor. And yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen that go great. <laughs> nah. So any other ones that come to mind that you, when you think about just the keys to break down in that relationship, it requires a lot of trust. Maybe yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Both ways. I, I mean, uh, if you're implementing the vision of the pastor of the church, um, and you're the implementer, it's really easy to forge a path that does not head to the end goal. Yeah. And I think, I think if the senior pastor you know, has extended that trust and you're not worthy of it, you're going to head the church or sadly, often as we've seen a segment of the church Mm -hmm. in a direction that, that, you know, the pastor doesn't feel like God's called the church to be, or maybe the elders don't or whatever. And, and that's a lot of times when, when I've seen church splits and all of that kind of stuff, because people feel like, no, this executive pastor really knows what's going on. There's always uh, in the role, you do a lot of, um, I don't know, attention to detail, a lot of checking on people and all of that. And so there's always, a chunk of people who are very loyal to that person. And I think sometimes that just goes to their head. Yeah. And I would say on the other end as well, the trust is not just that the executive pastor needs to be trustworthy, but the the lead pastor needs to be capable of trusting. Yes, And that's yeah. one thing I've seen is where a lead pastor just can't trust anyone to implement and, and truthfully like to set the vision and in, in, in some sense, get out of the way yeah. and let it move forward. And so I think one of the reasons that our relationship has worked for the amount of time that it has is because we have very complementary uh, competencies and mm. gifts and yeah. ultimately absolutely no desire to do one another's job, (laughs) which is what you, I've heard you tell most people, like you don't have any desire to be a lead teaching pastor. I have no desire to be an executive pastor. And I think when there is confusion in one's heart about that, it's almost always going to lead to conflict. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about my XP. Yeah. This new ministry, uh, that, and I mean, my goodness, that has just come so far in very few months. <laughs> so maybe just the most basic question people are going to ask as you're sitting here wearing your MyXP t-shirt, yep. when people ask you, like, what exactly is MyXP? Yeah, so MyXP stands for My Executive Pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so back when we found ourselves um, leaving the church we were a part of and, and uh, setting out to plant a new church uh, here in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. um, obviously one thing a, a church plant does not have the resources for or really need is a bunch of staff members. Yeah. And so I immediately started looking at, all right, so maybe I'll go back to Starbucks. And I had a uh-huh. few conversations about that. Um, but as I did that, I just really didn't feel... Feel uh, a peace in my heart about what that was going to look like. And so I started thinking and praying about it and talking to some people and really felt like, man, God has uniquely gifted me to serve the church in a way that, uh, to your point, most people aren't even interested in. As a yeah. matter of fact, when I talk about the things I'm passionate about in a church, I can tell when I'm talking to a lead pastor because their eyes get real glassy. Yeah. And so uh, it's just not something that most people love, but, but 
everyone, I think, especially in 2017, is starting to recognize the real importance of it. Yeah. Um, and so then I just started wondering, well, if 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 one church can't afford to pay me, but also doesn't need the bandwidth that I have, yeah. I wonder what we could do if if I could support multiple churches around the country um, and be able to provide a very similar, not exactly the same, but a very similar type mm-hmm. of support when it comes to administration and systems and counsel and all of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and, and really, you know, that's where my XP was born. Yeah. So really in a nutshell, like what I tell people is that like we solve problems for pastors. Absolutely. So yep. to talk a little bit about, um, let's talk about why it's necessary. Sure. Because I think one of my big concerns with, um, with a lot of lead pastors that I know is that truthfully, they don't value this type of ministry. Yeah. And that's a major, um, so, so let's try and talk about this without sinning yeah. because this is a major point of frustration for me. Cause to the point of what we were just talking about, like whether or not you care about the details, make no mistake, God does. Right. And so maybe God, talk a government. little, God, the government <laughs> cares as well. Yeah. And we're told to submit to the governing authorities sure. that are in our lives. And so that matters as well. Yep. So talk a little bit about why this is necessary. Like specifically, you know, explaining to the guy who is thinking like, well, the only thing that really matters is that I preach and I meet with people. Yeah. yeah I think, I think, um, one of the things that's important to keep in mind is that, um, I've heard a lot in my career in this role that the church is not a business. And I, I appreciate the sentiment that's being conveyed, but mm-hmm. it's not even entirely accurate. I yeah. mean, before you can start a church, you have to register yourself as a nonprofit corporation in your state. Right. And so just by definition alone, uh, that's an inaccurate statement. Yeah. Uh, again, the sentiment is that it shouldn't be run about profits and numbers and this right. and that. Which that's true. Um, and that's totally true. However, there are so many things that do need to be run effectively and efficiently. And I think that what I have seen is a number of lead pastors who don't care about those things understand they're important, live in this like perpetual fear that they've done something wrong. They haven't filed something right. <laughs> right. That, you know, the feds are going to show up and take them away. And, yeah. and they just have this weight of like, I don't know how my finances are doing. I don't know how, why people aren't getting like, why are people coming to my church and not mm-hmm. getting connected? Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm working so hard on my sermon. I'm working so hard to preach God's worth faithfully. Mm-hmm. And and I just don't understand why the rest of this isn't working. And right. in a lot of cases, it's just because it's a system issue yeah. um, or uh, something else that just needs to have a similar kind of attention as the sermon, but with a different set of eyes. Yeah. So we saw a very particular niche where yeah. you have churches who can't afford mm-hmm. to have a full-time executive pastor, yep. probably don't need a full-time executive pastor, but still need a lot of the services that yeah. those particular competencies would provide. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how, so let's say someone from this decides, wow, this sounds like exactly what sure. I need. I'm getting ready to plant a church or I'm, you know, six months, a year into my church. We have, you know, 50, a hundred, 200 people, something like that. We don't really have any work being done in this area. I think I could really use this guy's help. What exactly just does the like boots on the ground, weekly process of working as, uh, as being in partnership with you with my XP. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a couple of things. One, uh, what I have found is that, um, you know, a church of a few hundred people up 
pre-launch all the way up to a few hundred people have a lot of that work that needs to be done, mm-hmm. but either the lead pastor is doing it themselves and, and just trying to figure it out as best they can, um, or they've found people in their church to volunteer in that role. Yeah. And I think that both can be uh, equally Or their wife as, is doing it. Yep, or their wife is doing it. And all of that can be equally as dangerous yeah. because um, uh, not only is nonprofit different than the rest of the world, but yeah. church nonprofit is handled even, even more different. Um, and there is uh, different ways that it needs to be approached and all of that. And so as I have had an opportunity to partner with churches and all of that, I've seen just a wide variety of things happening from uh, well-intended bookkeepers that have just made a mess of things to, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to, you know, spouses or things like that, that just, again, uh, are really well-intentioned, well-intended. But just, yeah. yeah. But when it comes to this kind of work, this precise nature of administration, it's never the thought that counts. Yeah. It's got to be the actual right. output. Um, and so what that looks like really, um, I kind of have a, a three-step approach. The very first thing is I have a weekly connect with the lead pastor. Yeah. And I know that every lead pastor is busy, but that's one thing in my kind of initial connect is, as we kind of pitch the vision for anyone who's interested in exploring more, um, that that's a non-negotiable for me. You've got to make a priority. And of course, you'll have vacation and things like that, but we're not punting this to a different staff member. I need to understand in order to help implement your vision, mm-hmm. I got to talk to you about it. Right. Um, and I've got to understand what you want to have done and how you want to have it done. So we have an hour long connect. It's done via live meetings. So we can see one another and um, just get to know one another and, and have a lot of conversations about that. Uh, and then I just go to work at solving the problems you identify. There mm-hmm. are things that you're going to say, man, uh, right now I'm, I'm setting up payroll for a couple of churches. That's the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. So I'm working on budgets. I'm working Mm -hmm. on uh, getting some financial systems figured out. I'm working on expense management for all of these types of things. And so those are the things that they've identified. Uh, And so I I get to work solving those problems. But then also throughout the week, I'm combing through everything I have access to at your church, whether it be your website, whether it be your finances, whether it be whatever it might be, I'm combing through those things, looking for systems to be strengthened. I'm looking for uh, areas to improve. I'm looking for what, you know, and so uh, we utilize kind of a productivity tool called Basecamp. I'm sure mm-hmm. lots of people are familiar and we just sort of collaborate throughout the week of like, well, what about this? And what about this? And 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 part of it is through uh, just a lot of combing through one of my church's websites. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm currently working on a redesign for them because I just did not tell the story that their church uh, should be telling. Yeah. And so we're going to work on that together. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. That's great. So what are, so you've mentioned things like budgeting and yeah. Stuff like that, but just as a couple of the most common services that you are providing to mm-hmm. other churches in partnership, what would be a couple of the key ones that that are you think are the most important for you to be able to provide service in? Sure, um, I really prefer. I know a lot of churches have some sort of bookkeeping solution. Yeah, uh, when you when you become a MyXP partner church, that's one of the things that you're paying for in the subscription. Yeah, um, and I would really recommend allowing me to do that. A part of it is in order to have an understanding of like how I can make recommendations and all of that, I need to have a pretty intimate um, relationship with the finances of the church because I'm not there in person to see everything that's purchased and how it's being applied and all of that. I have to review reports. And so absolutely, if I'm not doing your bookkeeping, I at least have to have like full access just to see and review things. Uh, And then I make recommendations about expense management. Um, I'm somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, just after a few months, I've saved the churches that are currently my church partners 
about $75,000 a year just mm-hmm. in uh, expenses that they uh, didn't realize there was a better option elsewhere. Yeah. And and so I'm constantly looking through that. I'm looking through how can I go to some of these vendors with my group of my XP churches and say, hey, will you print for us cheaper because there's multiple? Will you give us payroll cheaper, cheaper because there's multiple? All of that kind of stuff I'm really passionate A lot really of people don't know they about. get discounts on stuff as being a 501c3. Oh, absolutely. Or- yeah. If you're currently paying for email, uh, if you're paying full price for Adobe Creative Cloud, if you're paying, I mean, there's so many things. Uh, if you're paying full price for QuickBooks, I'm Microsoft I'm really, Publisher. Microsoft, well, they don't make that anymore. <laughs> Microsoft Office. Uh, if you're paying for Microsoft Publisher, don't call me. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to talk to you. No, I'm sorry. I think they might make it. That was uh, that was rude. But um, well, if they do, you shouldn't be. Using you it. shouldn't be using it. But uh, there's all of these things, and just being a 501c3. But even even then, like, are you a 501c3? Do you know for sure? Yeah. All of those kind of things, I can come along and help with. So there's there's sort of that expense thing there. Um, also, um, what, what I've referred to on my website is Guest Connect. Yeah. Um, I'm really passionate. From all of my time at Starbucks, I've received. Uh, I was able to actually take a couple courses at the Disney Institute about yep. how they really uh, connect people and, and create that kind of experience. And so I'm passionate about that for the church, that that the new person is not overlooked, that their steps are clear. And so I've, I've provided hospitality trainings at large churches. I've uh, helped people kind of rework uh, their assimilation process, which basically just means how do we get someone from first time visitor to member. And again, if you can't clearly articulate what that looks like, yeah. it probably needs some work. And so passionate about that. I've got a huge background in human resources. And mm-hmm. so even if you only have a couple of staff members, you know, you're going to need things like policy manuals and, and you might have to make decisions about what we should we do for health insurance and retirement. Yeah. And, and you're going to probably at some point maybe have to let someone go, unfortunately. And, and again, we need to do all of those things and both uh, a way that honors the Lord and also, you know, follows the laws of our land. Yeah. So let's talk about the pricing end, just yeah. practically for people yeah. that might be curious. Just tell me a little bit about um, what the pricing is, because I know that there's a little bit of difference if you are uh, pre-launch yep. within your first year of being a church plant, and then after that you're, you know, an established church plant yeah. or church. Tell me a little bit about how that breaks down. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the way I look at it is it's a monthly subscription. Uh, I've got two prices. I've got the church plant pricing, which is $9.99 a month. And that's for um, how, how old is your church? Uh, that's up to a year. So once you experience your year anniversary, you'd yeah. have to look at switching to the established uh, plant pricing. I will say if there are any like uh, pre-launch church planters out there and you might think, well, let's, you know, do this after a few months, the sooner we can uh, create a partnership, the better for both of us. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that might have to be undone or redone um, that take a lot of extra time and work for both of us. And for instance, so I, what I did when we planted Redemption, where I found a checklist from Ed Stetzer <laughs> and I filled out all this paperwork and did it all wrong and we had to pay thousands of dollars, if I remember, in legal fees to yep. get it corrected. That's all true. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's not very complicated to yeah. set it up if you know how to do it and do it right the first time. Right. And so again, I, I love to partner with pre-launch church plants, um, but so it's $9.99 a month. Yep. Now, with that uh, subscription, um, you get all of the services. I view it as a monthly subscription and that's, I'm going to work hard for you. Sometimes I get asked how many hours a week is that? And my commitment is that you're going to feel supported and I'm going to work hard to make sure I solve whatever problems you're facing. And so it's not a matter of how many hours, it's a matter of making sure that we're 
connecting and, and you're getting from me what the support you need. You need. Yep. Um, and uh, and so that's church plant. Established church pricing is $13.99 a month. Yep. Again, when you look at both of these, even that would be at least an 80% savings off of hiring an, an executive pastor full-time. Yeah. Executive pastors who are qualified for the role often come with uh, a business background. Uh, you know, if you've got a family, if you've got uh, benefits and retirement and all of those kind of things that, that an executive pastor will either uh, be looking for or help you put into place. Um, It's just really expensive. And again, there are churches that can afford that and yay God for them, but there's a lot that can't. And so again, the same thing with that 1399, it gets all the same things. It's a little bit more because you've got a more complex organization. Uh, As I'm finding, there's a lot of uh, history I have to go back and work through and and make sure things were established in the way that they should have been. Uh, And what's great about it is that there's zero contract whatsoever. Uh, The only thing you have to do is you have to give me a 30-day notice uh, from the billing date. And so if you're ready, you know, maybe we have a partnership for a couple of months and uh, maybe it's not working out for you or, or maybe it's not working out for me or or maybe you're in a place where you just feel like um, we found somebody uh, locally that we want to hire or God's grown your church to a place where you can afford a full-time person. All you have to do is give me that 30-day notice from the billing date um, and I'll make sure to t- kind of turn everything that I've done over to you in a way that you can replicate or someone at your church can replicate and, uh, and that's it. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll just say as kind of a final pitch on it, um, I think I'm listed as a Mm co-founder, so I have the privilege of uh, getting to be a sounding board and get to help speak into some of the directional things that we do, but I don't make any money from it, and I don't actually provide any of the support (laughs) outside of like first-time calls. (laughs) You didn't have to be so affirmative with your no on that, Uh, but but I don't, and so I... I'm involved with in with this because one, I believe in you, uh, and then two, I really have personally experienced uh, the support that not only this role but you as a person bring to the table. And so, I would just highly recommend this to not because I stand to gain anything from it personally, but because I have experienced how it has made me. Um, it has provided me the space to be more faithful in the specific areas of competency that God has given me and called me to as a lead pastor, and also made the, that faithfulness more fruitful mm-hmm. because someone else is is kind of running all of these other things that matter, but that I like no one person can do all that stuff. So I would just really encourage anyone who's out there listening. If you don't have one, uh, someone that is really provided. And and again, not just a a well-intentioned, you know, volunteer in your church, thank God for those people. Mm -hmm. But we really, this is an, an area of competency that's very specific. And so if you don't have that, I would really encourage you to just visit the websites, myxp.church and to sign up for an initial connect, which is totally free. And uh, we can tell you a little bit more about what it is that you do and uh, would love to be able to provide that. So anything else that you'd add in that? Yeah, I think the other thing is, so maybe you're listening and uh, you've got an XP or you've got something like that. I also offer project management. Uh, maybe there's a thing that you uh, want to bring me in. Maybe you need to change your church's management system. Maybe you need to implement something new. Uh, you can also go to the website and uh, you know hire me on that way. I would say I do prefer the subscription pricing, even if you 
only have plans for a couple of months because what I find is that uh, if we come up with a scope of work and then the more I get into it, I realize that the real problem is over here. I just don't want to get hung up in scope of work and, and what yeah. did we agree to and all of that. Yeah. I'd rather just be in a place where um, where I can provide whatever support I can for as long as you're interested. Uh, so there's that for sure. Um, the other thing is maybe you're uh, here listening to this podcast and, and maybe you're not a, a pastor or whatever, but maybe you're in the business world and you're just excited to hear uh, that my XP exists. Um, uh, we set my XP up as a ministry. It's a 501c3 pro- approved uh, organization and you yep. have the ability to make uh, donations to my XP right on the website. Uh, all of that just helps us kind of run it and, and, and come up with better ways to solve problems totally. uh, for pastors. That's great, man. All right. Last question I just thought of. Yep. If you could, if you could be any character in a character experience at Disney world, who would be your pick? Any character? Well, I I think it just has to be Mickey Mouse. I mean, come on. (laughs) Walt Disney said, let us not forget it all started with a mouse. I would be, I would be Kylo Ren because I am not entirely convinced that because we've met Kylo Ren twice. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely convinced. It's not actually Kylo Ren. I'm telling awesome. you that dude is intense. I felt the force when I walked in and I'm, yeah, I just yeah. want, I want to be the real. I saw Kylo that happen. Yeah. I have the picture to prove it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for yeah. taking time to do this. Thank you for, it's a massive, um, I don't think everyone may always pick up on this, but it's a, it's a pretty massive sacrifice to, uh, step out into ministry period. Um, but a new ministry that not everyone admittedly understands and to really pave new ground. And so uh, we've already seen the benefit that this has provided to a number of churches that we're partnered with. And I really believe that are going to partner uh, or benefit from it in the future. So thanks for doing that. And thanks for your time today. My thanks to Tyler Dravitz for coming on in the room. Uh, again, if you want more information about MyXP, if you are a pastor, uh, a ministry leader, a church planter, um, I always tell, I, I tend to take the first calls uh, with everybody to talk about MyXP. And I always want pastors to know that um, I don't make any, fi- any any like financial income from this ministry. I just really want to help other pastors be able to experience the benefits and the fruitfulness that I've been able to as a result of working with Tyler and having a ministry partner uh, competent and gifted uh, in that sense. And so if you want more uh, information about that, uh, check out myxp.church. That's myxp.church, and uh, you could schedule a connect. I'd love to talk with you about that and get you connected. so it was great. Awesome. Anything that you would like to add? No, I just uh, I would I would encourage people to uh, to check it out as well. I think that um, I know for me in uh, in my ministry and uh, the the last nine years or so, Tyler's been um, a massive uh, source of um, help, encouragement, um, leadership, coaching, growth, all of that stuff for me. And yeah. so, um, um, yeah, I'm a I'm a product of his, uh, his work as well and his pouring into, pouring into me. And so I would highly encourage people to check out my XP and, uh, believe it, it, it has some value to offer, uh, most everybody probably listening to this. Definitely. MyXP.church. You can check that out. As always, you can find us uh, on social media. I'm at, at Ryan Hughley. I am at, at Scott. Do you say that at twice? I'm at, at Scott Holthouse. 
I don't know. I think that's redundant and a waste of people's time, valuable time that they don't have yeah. to waste. We don't, yeah, we don't have that time to waste, people. So I am at <laughs> Scott Holthouse, and you can find me there with your yeah. spare time. That's right. We don't have time to waste. I mean, we did spend 30 seconds saying putting in the buds at the top of this, but well, hu- there's always time important. for there's always time for humor. There's always time for humor. All right, take I out. The- on, I want that on my tombstone. Yeah, yeah. All right, take <laughs> out the buds. You're done. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening.